How you doing? You just don't want to talk now. <laughs> nope. You <laughs> just, got this, dog. You're just going to sit there it's with a frown you. on your face. It's all you. <laughs> yeah, I'm resenting whoever designed these lights instead of a light switch. I just want a light switch. We need a bigger office. I need a million dollars, but we can't always go what we want, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how in New York City, those two things are basically on par. Light switches? No, million dollars and bigger office. Yes, that's true. Apple Music. Apple Music's pretty cool. I know I do this to myself, but um, we use Google Music. We have like a whole family plan bundle where everyone gets like Google Music and no YouTube ads. And I think there were some other things in there. Um, But Google Music got rid of Google Music. So now you have to use this thing called YouTube Music, which is basically the exact same thing. But there's just all these like little uncanny things. Like it no longer works with a Mac keyboard. Why do you do that to yourself? I, I, again, I told you I do this to myself. So yeah, I think at this point it's just no brainer. Like Apple has been great with integration across everything. Yeah. So I think I want to switch to that. Yeah, you should. That's how I do it. Um, I think the most important thing to me is like I, I want to be able to like I don't want to have to curate my own playlists. Yeah. So if I can just go on and find like new music or like I'm working out, listen to a workout playlist. Yeah. I want access to that stuff. They do have it. I have found that it's been more difficult to find good ones um, compared to when I was using Spotify. Um, But then sometimes it'll surprise me. Like when I say Siri, play chill music on my HomePod, like that's always great. And I think it it uses what I've listened to. Mm -hmm. And it's like always good. Like if people come over, if I'm just relaxing um like that's great uh or even like fun music it's pretty good you know and i'll play like kind of like party music but like i've been trying to find good playlists that i really love and they have they have some cool ones but not as the ones that i liked like spotify had this one with like lo-fi beats or something like that which i always loved and i was trying to find something similar on apple music and they had like uh beats instrumentals which is like close but it's not as good okay um so i haven't found the playlist that i love as much but there's a ton on here and uh, they do have like fitness right here, mood fitness, and so you can just yes. right here, pure okay. cardio. So, so that's all. okay, that's that's great. I mean, that's great. Yeah, um, I use the radio stations more. So like, I'll if I want to listen to a bunch of like songs like the weekend, I'll just say create weekend radio. Okay, create radio station based on the weekend, and that's basically like a play- curated playlist. So yep. Yep. it does a good job with that stuff. No, it's an uncurated playlist. Well, sorry, it's uncurated, but it's automatic. I don't it. have to curate it myself. I okay. it just it's radio. Yep. It's like yeah. Yep. Okay. That's that's yeah. When I say that that uncurated playlist, that's basically what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting I, topic. My energy's coming back. It's just it's slowly coming back. I got the um people in my feed will show up. I think Gary Bernhardt is the latest one, but I got the Cal Digit cal digi something like that dock it's made for macbook pro and the, this monitor oh cool it's fucking awesome really i got it because like chris coyer wrote a blog post about it oh yeah it was expensive it was like 250 dollars. yeah um but and it's kind of silly for like just a bunch of usb ports right yeah but like i'm so happy that nice you have that, it at home yeah yep. and it's just what does it do with the monitor the monitor plugs into it, which, by the way, like I was talking to your brother about this, like there's like seven different types of USB-C 
and you have to get like the right cable into the right um the right slot oh geez to power it. so it was just like oh yeah isn't it the right side of the macbook pro where you're supposed to power it i think that's just like a um like nice to have yeah i think it powers on any side yeah. it just powers a little faster yeah. in certain ports but this like it won't work oh. if you don't have the right cable okay right even port. though all USB-C have the same interface they're actually different cables oh it can, yeah i can't tell you the difference and i found like that's annoying some blog post about this hub and the monitor and how to hook it up and which cable to use and it was like it was super annoying oh okay so um but yeah the hub is awesome but once you got it set up so what does it do it just plugs your monitor in it plugs your monitor in it provides power to your macbook it has a bunch of usb c ports usb a ports oh cool that's the original us usb3 yeah um so when you set up you just plug your macbook into the hub into the hub and then basically with one cable yeah, with one cable, and then the hub goes into the monitor, and the hub has its own power, and it powers the MacBook, passes the thing to the monitor. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and it has like SD card reader. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and just everything, all my USB accessories are just plugged in there, so it's not like some are in the back of the monitor, but um, but I already run out of those. Yeah, a couple I think of times, you run so, out. Yeah, yeah, pretty yep. quick. So, yep. oh, cool. Um, SD card reader is nice too. Yeah, it looks. It also looks really nice. Nice. So, what's who makes it? It's like CalDigit, CalDigi, something like that. Nice. Some combination of those words. Nice. Um, cool, there's one other thing. It can't run two monitors. Oh. Uh, but I don't so, know. if you went directly from a 5K into the MacBook, you could daisy chain it with another monitor. I think you. I don't know. I think you might have to plug them both into your computer. Hmm. But one of the things that's appealing about this is like you just plug it into your computer and that's it. Yeah, that's great. One cable. Yeah. I'm a one monitor kind of guy. I would like always two have of been. These. I would like two of these. That'd be pretty sweet. I don't know though. Because then I feel cool. like you just get mit- it's like it's like living in a bigger house and you just accumulate <laughs> junk. So I guess that is why you'd want it. You left Manhattan. I uh, yeah. That's How much true. junk do you have in your house that you haven't used in a year? Well, okay. So we. Um, <laughs> We this. I'm just gonna tell a story, and you can fill in the the rest. Okay. We uh we signed up for CSA, which is like it's like a vet a farm yeah co-op yeah thing. They Grocery. Just, yeah, they send us veggies, and I think we just did the veggies one. Then you get weird ones. Then you get like a paper bag full of like radishes <laughs> oh, and like Jesus. turnips yeah. and like parsnips and things like Those that. Those aren't the weird ones. There's like things we have to Google. Like what is this? Broccoli rave. <laughs> we're, I guess we're having broccoli yeah. rave tonight for yes, dinner, that's, sweetie. Yeah, that's how it works. We did like the plan for just like, I think it's like a one person plan and we're two people and we can't, you can't even eat it at all. We can't eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. There's been talk. You're still ordering pizza like Thursdays and Fridays. No, and no, no, no. We order pizza like every like three weeks. That's what I do. I go grocery shopping and then by Wednesday I'm like, why am I ordering seamless? I have all this food in my fridge. Anyway, this is, uh, the, to answer your question, there's, there's talk in our household of getting a second freezer to freeze all the, <laughs> All the fruit and veggies that they send us. So that's how much junk. That's not the point of ordering that's, fresh fruits and veggies to junk. freeze them and eat them six months later. I know, but that's how much junk you accumulate when you uh, live in a house. Oh, yeah. So good. get derived state from props. Yeah, we've been we've been good friends with that guy recently <laughs> since we started React. Yeah, we were working on um, the Mirage Ripple. Hopefully, we're gonna have a video soon. I'm not sure. Um, I gotta get a haircut, man. It's ridiculous. I'm actually getting one tomorrow. 
COVID hair. It might be here to stay. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, we were working on something fun yesterday. Um, we were working on uh, adding URLs to the Mirage REPL and letting people save. So did we talk about this on the podcast yet about like the token, the browser token? I don't think so. We should talk about that because that's will also refresh us because we might have a little chance to work on it here. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to add like what was the MVP version of adding like persistence to the Mirage REPL. Um, and we didn't want to have like user login. We didn't want to like sign in with GitHub to save REPLs and all that stuff. We just wanted to start as simple as possible. And so Code Sandbox lets you um, create a REPL or um, a Code Sandbox as an anonymous account and update changes to it, even if you're in like an incognito browser. And we were kind of like, how does that work? Um, and, you know, we basically reverse engineered it because if you're in the same browser you can do that but as soon as you lose that browser session like you can't edit anymore but you still have a url to it and if you happen to go back to that uh sandbox with the browser that you used to create it then you can edit it further even though you don't have a user account so that's pretty cool and so we want to do something similar for uh for mirage repl because it's like the lowest friction way to just get started and like create something that you can save so we kind of devise a scheme and basically uh you get what is it you have two tokens that you get <clears throat> one yeah two tokens one is we call it like the browser id so that just identifies like you as you and it's it's unique for your browser um stored in local storage so it will persist as you open and close and then the other is an editing token um which is um like SHA-256 or whatever we're using, nano ID, something like that. Right. That um, will give you right access to any sandbox. So if you have the, um, yeah, if you have the editing token and you do an update and it matches the one that's in the database, we'll let the update go through. And if it doesn't, we'll reject. And so the question is, on the client side, how do we know if we should do an update or an insert? Like, do we just try the update and then if it fails, we like do an insert to a new sandbox. And so we, we, that's where the browser ID comes in. Right, right. So the browser ID is public. Yeah. Uh, but the editing token is private. Yep. And so we, you could just do it with the editing token and do like a get request to see if I have permissions or something like that. Yeah. Um, but we didn't want to have to do that. So uh, how do you like persist that knowledge? And that's where the public browser token comes in. Mm. But the editing token is the only thing that will be checked um, from the auth perspective on the server. Yes. In the Hesura, um auth side. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, and then like you all generate on the client side. Yeah, we generate everything client side, which is. It's the first time I've ever done that in a public application. Mm -hmm. We generate the ID, editing token, browser token. So I don't know, maybe because someone figures out like, oh, if I generate a null, I get access to everything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it makes it pretty easy because like Hasura is just like our dumb API. And so far it seems to be working out. I, I mean, one of the reasons this has been so easy is because of Hasura, because we can go into the table mm -hmm. and we can say that editing token is is private. It can't be viewed. It can't be updated, but it can be inserted when right. you create. Right. And so, I mean, that's like, seriously like the easiest uh, everything i just described is like check boxes we collect yeah where like when you do this in rails like yeah you end up like you know just filtering and deleting it and or whatever gem you're using and it's, right yeah writing tests for it all yeah it's just a bunch of code um 
pretty interesting stuff. Now, Hasur, this is interesting. Hasur does have this like regression testing where they can, uh, you can like write queries and say like the results should be this. So I should be able to do like a, uh, a, a query to get a sandbox and it shouldn't contain an editing token. Mm. And so like, that's like a test we could add. Interesting. Cause we, we could were... always accidentally like, right. Check un- the, uncheck yeah, the box, check the box, yeah. uncheck it. Or like, I don't know, like we're, you know, pulling down changes and you get everything working in dev and then you push it to like production. And how do you know that your dev, like you copied over everything in dev to production. Right. That's a, that's a TBD. I mean, I think we'll learn that. Yeah. Right now we've just been developing everything against, a production instance right 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 um yeah you were asking about how to test and then you spent some time reading looking over some of the hosura docs because they have like their whole own testing framework thing right yeah um i haven't i have no experience outside the docs yeah so yeah but the work we were doing that might be uh we might hopefully we'll make a video about it um it was cool because we were doing cypress and uh mirage and so we built the start of this feature like this v2 repl and persisting sandboxes in hasura um and uh we built it all with like tests and then we use like the mirage js graphql library which rocky worked on which we hadn't used before and downloaded our schema from hasura fed it into that and then we had like a mock mirage server which was amazing you know the like what we did and what we recorded really doesn't capture how amazing it is you, yeah you download your schema yeah and it's one line to load that into mirage yeah and now all your create uh get everything just works yeah there's some like complicated like custom mutations that obviously mirage doesn't know what it's doing behind the hood but like it's all typed all the types are there right right so it was really fast to get started and like just polishing that story i think would be make it pretty compelling and then like we were in tests in cyprus and then we got our test passing and we were like let's go try it out and we just flipped over we ran into something because what was the difference? It was, oh, oh we, we had, had bad we data had, yeah, in Hasura. Yeah, bad data. In, yeah. But we wanted to try to load it uh, on the V2 REPL thing. And once we fixed the bad, like the null field in the Hasura data, it just worked. And like we could save data too. We could say create sandboxes from like slash REPL and then it would re-navigate and stuff. Um, so that's awesome. Just like the that ironclad contract, which is like the GraphQL scheme and having confidence that you can just develop against that and know it's going to work when you plug it into Hasura is like, I think it's such an awesome potential yeah. thing, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, feels way, way safer with the GraphQL stuff too, yeah. because like some of the errors we we're getting, I think there was one, it was like ID was an int and we were taking ID out of the URL, right. which is a string right. because URLs are strings. Right. And we got, we got a error from our Mirage server right, right away which right. was right <laughs> awesome yeah so you could exactly you could imagine that kind of thing working uh like in mirage if you were just doing your own thing and then like you talk to a real api and it's like rejects it but yep. like because it's all based on the schema it's like it's pretty awesome yep it's really cool uh we did have to write a custom resolver because hasura knows what the to do with like the parameter where that's not encoded in the graphql schema you know yeah um that logic isn't encoded so we just wrote a custom resolver really quick and because all that stuff is standardized across tables like you could imagine ending up with something like a mirage js hasura uh library that does that stuff for you you know yep. and basically gives us the same awesome experience we had with like 80 percent of it with that you know the rest of the like the field like the queries and stuff so pretty cool stuff though yeah yeah it was fun um 
so hopefully that'll be ready soon and then um yeah that's kind of what we've been working on together yeah you've been hacking on some stuff on your own yeah um i've been bye bye to amplify yeah i'm I'm still using amplify for auth and uh s3 access file uploads but um data layer was just uh, i i was trying to build an app with a bunch of you know has one has many 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 relationships and um oh and some aggregates and uh yeah it's just too hard to translate over into into their data layer into it, um so they call Dynamo? it app, yeah they call it app sync and app sync is like the interface to the data that's stored in Dynamo. some of its limitations of app sync some of its just not even limitations but design of Dynamo. um but yeah it was just it was way too hard um yeah just i mean you were hard. asking questions on forums about how to do like many to many stuff right yeah and there were answers that were just like not supported right now yeah. do it like this yeah they're just um yeah in my experience it just wasn't um like one to one with how you would write a web app with rails yeah. like you really have to know yeah you just have to understand a lot about dynamo would you think how, you the, like you think someone who's done this a bunch would model their data differently than you did i modeled it to their to their recommendations to their specs yeah i mean they have yeah. a guides on how to model this so oh, okay um, and it looked different than like if it was in Postgres or something. No, they they ha- so for, with Dynamo, yes, it does look different. Mm-hmm. Um, but with like the schema that you used to model it, it would oh, look, okay. it would look just like Hasura, just like Rails, just like Postgres. Got you. You define like I have um, I have a book, I have an author, and then I have a book author, and these are how these these are where the IDs all link up. Got you. Got so you. they they do a great job with that declarative schema that like lets you developer just easily tie things together yeah um there's just some some gotchas that come with um yeah querying data and organizing data um yeah it's just like i said it's just not a one-to-one translation from like oh you're used to building a web app um rails with rails or just any i mean with any like php just any sort of mysql you know mvc web app um, there's some things that are really good about it and there's mm-hmm. some things that just you know you you, you kind of got to know or you learn there's always ways around it right like um dynamo has lambda triggers so you can say every time a record gets inserted into dynamo or every time a record gets updated like literally run this javascript function that gets the record and so and like updates an aggregate or something yeah like exactly that. so that's how you do aggregates um, but, Whereas in Rails, you just be able to just yeah, you have count, and you can do it's yeah. like you have indexes. It's you know, yeah. There's just SQL yeah. databases are just really good at that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, like it's just that stuff is hard. It's not a one to one translation. So that stuff is hard, and I think for like the apps that I'm trying to build, um, the benefits of of something like Dynamo and AppSync just I don't have scaling issues. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some really cool things about like just knowing that um yeah i don't have to run ops on a database i don't even have a database instance i just have like an endpoint like that was a really good thing yeah um knowing that like i could like literally click a button and i get like global scale you know planet size scale yeah database was was cool but then, yeah again those aren't the issues that i have i yeah. like what do i need to do i need to like be able to like write queries from the front end and just 
get the data and that's that's my biggest problem right um so yeah that stuff just wasn't a good fit for the app i was building i mean i think that is why dynamo was created literally you know in that podcast episode on uh, full stack radio where he's talking about that that's what he was saying so mm-hmm. it's like by the end of that episode you listen and you're just like yeah none of these things <laughs> matter to me so it's um i think amplify tries to hide the dynamo stuff from you and unfortunately you can't and, mm-hmm. and it's not fair it's like not someone that works on amplify might say like no you have to know dynamo mm-hmm. but i think when you're reading the amplify docs um there's a talk of models there's mm-hmm. a talk of relationships but there's not the talk of of dynamo yeah and then when you run into these things that's when you it's um, dynamo that's leaking and so if you don't understand it yeah um i mean there's something specific that you ran into that was like there were there were querying two, many many yeah there were two things so that that that's just like an unfinished section of amplify okay so if you if of you the docs or the capability of actually. the capability okay so if you're trying to get um if you're building an index page it shows all uh posts so like an admin index page it shows all posts and then let's say posts have multiple authors mm-hmm. so on mm-hmm. that index page you want like a comma separated list mm-hmm. of, of all the authors that's that's you basically end up n plus oneing there mm. and it's um i mean it worked right it just feels weird again it's it fast though well it's fast because all the data ends up stored locally on your computer which also is an amazing part of using amplify um but yeah, it's just something where it was like, it was hard to do. It didn't work. Yeah. I was getting null values. And so I ended up N plus oneing, and that worked mm. and that was fast. But I'm still, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm loading a hundred articles and I need their joins to get their authors, yeah. I end up writing, I end up sending a hundred queries off to amplify to get that. Yeah. And maybe you could do like some like in viewport thing. So like it only shows it's like you scroll yeah, but... again, again, these are the things like, that's not what I need when I'm writing a web app. I need to be able to query data and get it quickly. Right. So like having to work around those issues was, yeah, just problem. Right. And then the other thing is aggregates, which, um, yeah, I, I think that like most web apps that I work on are like, they just have a lot of aggregates and it's, it's limitation and there's, there's escape hatches, right? The Lambda triggers that you would, when a book gets inserted, um, and an author gets inserted, you like update the count somewhere. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are escape hatches, but again, not the kind of thing I want to be writing. Yeah. Um, especially on a side project with just yourself. Like. Yeah. Yep. So I, uh, I, those two things were enough. There were also the, those were the big ones along the way. There were like a million paper cuts. Yeah. Um, but those two things were enough to be like, okay, like what, what am I getting out of this? Right. Uh, it's, you know, um, so I switched to Hasura. Still using Amplify for auth. I think the auth stuff is great. Um, yeah, I think the auth stuff's really good. Nice. Um, which is like Cognito, but again, Amplify just like packages it up nicely. Nice. So, yep. Um, yeah, we you were well, you were saying that the Hasura stuff was nice because you know what the guts are, even though it hides a lot of it. It's nice. And we even ran into that with the REPL when we started doing the V2 because we have these old links at V1 and we want to make sure that those links still work. So as part of like a zero downtime migration strategy to get us to V2 or whatever, um, we have like an ID2 column and we wanted to copy it over. And we just went to the SQL tab and wrote some SQL that updated the whole table. And it was like really nice to be able to do that. Yeah. 
I mean, it brings me, it brings me back to PHP Maya, which is like one of the most, but it's just one Dev of the most friendly, badass. Yeah. It's just Dev tools ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, the thing I really like about Hasura is that when you don't understand how to do something or Hasura doesn't have the feature, because when you're building APIs, there's going to be, when you're building a service that like makes generic APIs, there's going to be 5,000 missing features. Right. So when Hasur doesn't have a feature, like the answer is, well, this is just translating to SQL. So can you represent what you're trying to do in SQL? And for most web apps, the answer is yes, mm-hmm. because most of us, I mean, me, I've been building web apps on SQL for 15 years yeah. now. So it's like, yeah, I know, like that's my mental model of how right. this stuff works. So right, right. You can always write an SQL function. You can always execute a um, an SQL statement to just prep your database like you can create a view right if you need some like funky complex join information that you don't want to write yourself you don't want to run on the fly mm-hmm. you can create a view have you done something yet where you like there's a new graphql field or something that runs some sql that you wrote no no i haven't i haven't done that um the one thing that i have done and like the thing that was like it was simple but it was mind-blowing is um Similar to what we were doing on the REPL, but I have a way, I have slugs. I have like a database of books and I have slugs and I want to be able to have the slugs in the URL mm-hmm. and not the ID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to do a where slug equals this. It's no, it's not, I'm not using the ID. Yeah. The find by PK, which yeah. is like the default. Um, GraphQL query type yeah, that they, 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 yeah. they give you. They also, then they give you like the find all. So I do right. find all books where slug equals this. Right. And um, slug isn't indexed. And there's uh, in the UI, there's no option to create indexes. Mm. And so like, it's funny. I found an issue and people were complaining. Like the, 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 the things were funny. So someone was like, Oh, why doesn't, can you add this? This would be really helpful. And they were like, yeah, well we can add this in the future. And someone else was like, can't you just like look at all the queries I have coming in and just automatically create indexes? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty badass if that if that worked. But then, so like those things would be great. Like, right. And maybe they'll be features one day. Yeah. But the in thing the meantime, is, it's just, it's, it's just SQL under the hood. I should yeah. say just SQL. It's SQL under the hood. So you can go over to that tab where you write SQL statements and you can do create index on books you know index slug on books yeah and then you're done you have the index yeah and that's that's i mean that's amazing that's really really amazing like again it just all translates to tech that you know yeah that is cool really cool yeah i love it i i want to keep using it um but i'm excited to see where we end up with the REPL stuff because um that's like public and the auth rules you know i did a little bit of the auth stuff on my personal site with the work journal admin um i think we were having trouble figuring out there was no clear way to do use the use the uh editing token from the request and make sure it matches how do we how do we do that didn't we test that weren't we originally trying to no i think we did i think we did from the request oh we sent as a header that's why remember so we couldn't figure out in the auth rules in Hasura, when you add those rules for different roles, um, you can do things like make sure the count is less than 20 and stuff like that. But if you wanted to do something like make sure um, the database 
record that they're looking up and editing mm, editing yes. token matches editing token from the request payload we couldn't figure out how to do that but um so they don't let you access the request body but you can access the headers and so you can add x hasura whatever as a header and use that as effectively it's like effectively a user id right yeah, it's like exa- a user exactly, token exactly um but in our case it's just an editing token until we have like let's say we add user accounts one day but basically we just from our ui use that add that as a header yep. and then um it worked yeah so that's pretty cool it's super cool yeah it is interesting to think like if you're two years down the road and you were working full-time on an app like this you just have all those things are like hidden that was one thing that you did like about amplify which was that a lot of the stuff was in code that's not in hasura oh i mean that the the you know i moved away from the app sync data stuff but i think the coolest part of amplify was that they have an actual schema file yeah and they have these directives where you define things like models and auth rules and relationship yeah. and all that stuff is in code like yeah that's in git that's right version in. controlled you it can, can be reproduced yeah you can read that i mean so there's some you'd have to write your own tools but like you could this is a thought i had like you could read in that file and show like a matrix of like all the things that are editable by yeah. admins and like see that over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, cool. You know, there's just there's an artifact. Right. Where um I think Hasur they're they log that they they log that information in a database table somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's not uh, it's not in code. Right. So I think the encode thing is it's really nice. Yeah, same I mean same with like the fact that you add an index. If you had to like redeploy Hasura somewhere, you'd have to rerun that, but like you have no artifact of it. Yeah. So I think maybe they you do a, a dump you, of the of the Postgres table. I think that they have like migrations, and when you run SQL, you can mark. I'm running this SQL as a migration, mm-hmm. and that saves it somewhere that's accessible. I haven't I haven't transferred one Hasura to another, so I'm, yeah. I know you can mark certain yeah. statements as. I guess the fact that you can just get the create table yeah. would be enough, and if you could get yeah, all the auth yeah. rules too, because those are not part of Postgres, right? Those are part of Hasura, like. When we did that and we said you can, there's these roles, those aren't saved in Postgres, are they? They might be. I mean, I mean they has, might be. Hussar has to store them somewhere. Yeah. So. so it might be part of it. Yeah. But that is cool to think about that. And like you were saying, the migrations in the Rails app are never, I mean, how long, when do you go back and look at old migrations in a Rails app? Yeah. Never. Basically never, right? Yeah. Migration, I mean, I, I, I migrations are good for like a month. And yeah. then you just want everyone to, to run, use the create to table. load the schema. Yeah. And then migrate off the schema that they loaded. So from that perspective, it's fine that people are making changes in the UI and you're not seeing the history of those changes over time. Um, yeah, the history isn't important. Isn't it's important. more, it's it's more the reproducibility of yes, it. Yeah. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't need to know when things happened or the order they happened. I just need to, to be able to transfer the database. And yeah. So that's pretty cool. So maybe, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But if you do... If you start using Hasura on your side project and we use on the REPL, what parts of the code first approach, you know, you miss or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you, I mean, I can tell you one thing that <laughs> I ran into, which is, you know, Amplify, Amplify gives you a set of services like auth and data and they wire everything together, which is great. So, you know, yeah. you don't, you know that like any data requests you send out it has a user tied to it. It yeah. has auth rules. Like that's just all that's, that's, just, that's what you're paying for. Like that's mm-hmm. a service that they provide with Hasura. Um, I have it hooked up to amplify auth, which was easy. I found some stack overflow with, um, 
you know, just some code that I copied and pasted and didn't look at. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, no, there, there, there's like code samples that were super easy to follow and and get working. But, uh, I have a, a JWT token that Amplify provides and then Hasura validates and the, the Amplify tokens are good for an hour by default. (laughs) And so I had gotten it working. I get the token into Urkel and Urkel starts making requests with it. And then I was like, wait, don't these tokens expire? And I went to like JWTIO and pasted it in. I was like, yeah, they expire in an hour. I'm like, so what's going to happen when I send a request to Hasura with an expired token? So I had to wait an hour. <laughs> I mean, I didn't la- know what I play last of us. Like I could have made a fake JWT. Yeah. With the old expires with the old expires, but then it wouldn't be validated against Amazon. It would right, be validated right, right, against right. like my custom code. Right. So that's like, a, that's like a huge slice of production code that I'm like, quote unquote, like not testing. Mm-hmm. I'm like mocking the right seam there, mm-hmm. but I'm not like, I wanted to know like what happens when I make a request with, a token from from Amazon, Amazon. that Hasura is going to go back to Amazon yeah. to validate, yep, um, or use the Amazon logic to validate, yep, and it fails. So like, yeah, I I I, I opened up uh, my like Get Pocket and read some old articles. Nice. Um, yeah, waited an hour and tested it, <laughs> saw the error, and then uh, Amplify. I mean, Amplify Auth is great. They provide a a function that's like Get JWT token, mm-hmm. and it's a, a promise returns mm-hmm. a promise, and if you don't have a token. It goes off to their service and fetches it. If you do have a token and it's not expired, it just instantly resolves with that. A new token. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, with oh, that oh, token. Okay. With the token. Because it's not expired. Okay. You've already oh, fetched a token. And if you have a token that's expired, it just goes off. It returns a promise. So it goes off to the service and gives you a new token. Oh, so cool. from Urkel's point of view, I just say the token is always, you know, await, amp- await amplify, get token. Cool. And um, yeah, I never have to worry. Because... It's interesting. Wait, but how often do you refresh? I mean, couldn't you still have a bad request if you make a? Re- how does Urkel know when it's time to revalidate the token? So that's the thing. Urkel, refresh the token. Urkel. So Urkel <laughs> says like, "Ah, oh, you should cache the token and yeah. like look at the expired, and then like, oh, your token's expired, okay. so you should go up." I don't have to do any of that though, because think about it. I just call amplify.gettoken. You do that every time you make a every request. time because it's cached. If it if Amplify has a token oh. that's not expired, it just instantly resolves gotcha. with that. So oh, okay, so, so I do. Do a you wit- have to do that in like your app code? It's in your your Urkel setup code. Okay, so it's like one time at the root of the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and have, now when you make a request, I have a. Oh, that's pretty cool. I, I actually recommend like Urkel folks do this. I have a a provider in my app called mm-hmm. like GraphQL provider. Mm-hmm. And that thing just basically wraps the Urkel provider, creates a client, passes it into the provider. Uh, the Urkel configuration, my Urkel configuration is like maybe like, um, I don't know, 60, 70 lines of code because you have to like, yeah, I have to call that amplify auth thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's like another, there's another code that you have to do to like merge your auth headers with their GraphQL thing. And okay. It's like it's one of those like immutable oh yeah merges, right. <laughs> and it's like very deep. So it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot of boilerplate. Yeah. But um, that's why I recommend just creating GraphQL provider. Yeah. And doing all this stuff in there. Yeah. Um, do Urkel has some really cool like uh, caching logic, and yeah. you can like progressively get more and more advanced in caching. Um, so you can cache just based on query. 
So this query is always cache, and then you can start to use like ID and type name yeah. to get like a normalized cache. Doesn't so it do that automatically? No, you have to opt into it. There I think I think it that, did automatically where on my recipes app, when I first time I used GraphQL, I used Urkel to do the data fetching. I fetched all the recipes on the homepage, created a recipe, and then when I went back, it was already there. Yeah, so I'm, I might, I think it does some stuff. Cool. It, it, it must do some stuff automatically. When you do the auth stuff, when you add in auth, mm. you take ownership of all that. Got you. And so you, I that was to, probably like, why. Yeah, I had to add those. Um, My apps don't have auth graphing, <laughs> caching libraries. But yeah, it's pretty cool. No, it's I'm a cool really library. impressed with it. Yeah, yeah me too. And I, it was just really fast and easy. Yeah, I love the progressive. Like, hey, right now, I just need to query. Right. I need a query, and I need to get data back, and right, and that's it. And then, like, oh, actually, I need normalized caching. So, like, when that's ready, I'll. When I need that, I'll opt into that. Right. So I just wanted to check real quick and see what the star counts were, like the popularity. SWR and React query are both like 13,000 and, and Urkel is, uh, what did I say, 5,000? Oh, really? Yep, 5.1 thousand. I think it's a little older, but I think it's good and well-maintained. Um, My experience with I haven't it used, has been great. Yeah, it's great. Also, it's more, it's narrower than React Query and SWR. Oh, because it's focused on GraphQL. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, right, that makes sense. Um, I've been using SWR for new projects or sub projects and stuff because I like it. And I've been using Next, so it feels good to use them together. Yeah. But I do like Urkel. It's cool. Um, what was I going to say? What were we just talking? What did you just talk about between <laughs> minutes? caching yeah Urkel. Urkel. i think i might have gotten too much sleep last night <laughs> that's neat though um the th- uh, i thought there was something with testing or something like that oh yeah like okay so i just kind of gave you like a lot really really fast but um one of the things i wanted to talk about was that jwt token and validating that like how to go about it and test it because like you know, I, I joked that I waited an hour. Yeah, yeah. But that was like, I'm going to have to test that stuff again. Yeah. Um, or stuff that's in like a similar category to that. So right. I guess like the question is like, as we use more and more of these services, it doesn't really have anything to do with Hasur or Amplify, but these are two services that have a, a boundary of, you know, here's some code you paste to validate that service one can talk to service two and you here's some code you just put into like service one to like validate it. Right. Um, like how do you go about like testing that stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, part of my like answer here is like, I should be like spinning up new Hasura instances and yeah. new amplify instances and like using something like Cypress to do like a full end to end test. Cause otherwise like, but one of the things that makes it also compelling is like that you can just, you, you can create an index from the Hasura UI. And I, when you were saying that and you're like, and I'm done. And I was like, that's awesome. Like you don't have to get Postgres running on your computer, which like the last time I had to pull up a rails app, dude, my Postgres was like, it was a nightmare yeah. just to get it running and like figure you're on the command line and you're like PGL. And it's like startup. Oh, did it start up with the OSX service? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the URL to connect to? And I literally just want to like try something out. Um, and then like you have to copy the data down and like ingest it, you know, mm-hmm. MySQL dump or PG dump or whatever, like that stuff sucks. So it's nice that 
but then when it comes to this stuff it's like yeah you you the tests like the high level tests that start out with a clean database and test it all out is pretty good um everything being in code and when i say that like everything like rails yeah everything being yeah. like rails code from the it, database to the ui yeah it makes testing really easy yeah. like mm-hmm. right like there's like i'm using devise they provide a bunch of test helpers yeah. so if i want to test what does this look like when the user isn't an admin or what right. does it look like when this user i just created with this factory uh views the page it's it's super easy but like i mean doing that with a sir and amplify it's like okay i gotta go over to amplify create a user um yeah that's like how i would that's yeah. what I'm, that's where i'm like that's a path i'm going down where if it's like i use more services and i have less code that means testing is going to need it's going to be more um like end to end yeah end to end testing where like yeah. we spin up services because that's the only way you know that it's working well the other way is you mock right which is what we do for the http stuff because like we're not going to test we're not going to test that like given um i know i know like but- a sandbox exists in hasura when i visit the REPL in react it fetches it from hasura and so therefore we feel confident in that boundary because like we are confident because the, the contract's clear i i mean there's but there's three there's three different sets here. Like the first set is like I'm writing the front end and I'm writing the back end. Mm-hmm. And like I know the only way the back end can change is if I change it. Mm-hmm. So I'm really confident in my mocks. Right. I'm just super confident in my right. mocks. And that's how we've always felt with like Mirage. Right. And there's like a level up from that, which is like I'm using Hasura and I'm writing the front end. And um, yeah, Hasura, like part of Hasura is it provides these GraphQL queries. That's its contract. So it's not, it's un, it could change, right? It could right. come up with a new version that's like, ah, oh, we, we know, we no longer provide like where. Instead, we do sandboxes where is its own special query for mm-hmm. I don't for whatever mm-hmm. reason mm-hmm. they come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that's less likely to change, even though it could. Yeah. It could change without you knowing, but yeah. it'd probably be because of an update. Yeah. But then, like, there's way further down the line is like. Hasura talking to Amplify, yeah, where you're just calling like Amplify.validate auth. That feels weird for me to mock because I don't know, like, I'm mocking that at like a function level. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. mocking like the HTTP responses mm-hmm. there because that's that's Amplify's right, like, right, implementation right, right. detail, right? So that wouldn't give, yeah, function mock wouldn't give you any confidence that, that works. I'm just yeah. function mocking Amplify, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there's like some business logic you lose, mm-hmm. right, when you do a function mock. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Um, yeah, yeah, no confidence. That's that's exactly that's what all is. what it comes back to for me. You know, that's what a good test is, really. Yep. You can deploy a dependent bot update without worrying if it's broken. Um, what was I going to say? It's also like we talked about this one other podcast where it's like all this work to figure out how to use these things, but then like the actual change is like, um, you know, a couple clicks or like one line of weird code and like a off thing, but you've just saved yourself writing all those code and tests. Um, and maybe it's that sort of thing where it just doesn't change that much and it ends up not being a problem. Like you do test it when you first set it up, but like you have all set up now and like, it's just never going to change because as long as these services are up and running, like it's, it's just never going to change. And so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, if I were, if I were providing a service, that's, what i would that's what i would kind of tell people tell people that's yeah, what i would feel exactly. like it's you like, say it's my job yeah it's keep like this going if but i don't know man like i'm writing an app with like services like 
there's something about writing rails code like i understand i mean think rails about code. think about like think about how much of the REPL is done by plunker and like unpackage you know what i'm saying yeah and that's just like it's that's their responsibility <laughs> not ours but like none of it would work at all if that doesn't work and there's like if you look at the network tab when you go to mirage slash REPL, it's ridiculous. You know how Rails provides like validate presence of? Yeah. Maybe I'm making like yeah, the 2005 yeah, the yeah. argument yeah. of like you need to validate that stuff because you don't know how it works. You need to write tests for it. Right, right. Where this is where just D- like, And DHH even said that you shouldn't do that, right? Didn't he yeah, say like, yeah, it's you're testing the framework in right. the sense you're... The thing is with validate presence of like I'm just using a keyword... And the types of mistakes I'm going to make with that are like literally typoing it. Mm-hmm. Like where like Hasura talking to Amplify, there there's a lot of glue code. Like there's mm-hmm. glue code to like get the the JWT out of the header um, to validate it with like, you know, Amplify auth.validate mm-hmm. to to read the roles out of the um, out of the token. Like there's a lot of code there that i could make a mistake i don't know i don't yeah 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 interesting i mean but then again people are making websites with if this and that so yeah it's it's definitely a um it's not in like this is not like productive conversation this is more like a worrying about how do you feel good about these right. like yeah right think this is the what, what started this off for like using these services are great i like it i mean yeah. i'm sold but these are the things that I miss yeah. when I had all the code on my yeah. computer or yep. all in a sim- all in one app. Yep. Yeah, but then you have to make a change and then you just want to shoot yourself <laughs> yeah. because you have all the code. So you don't. And now it's, oh, I can just pop it open and press a button. So there's a trade-off. Oh, and the trade-off is, I mean, it's... We're excited about it. It's like, yeah, we're we're way past excited right. about it. I mean, it's right. like... Sold. Yeah. But it's, yeah, things you miss. Yeah. Um interesting and maybe again maybe the solution here is like it's like how do people test their drip email campaign workflows they don't probably i mean i can tell you from experience that you just they just don't work and then you hear sacrifice a goat every (laughs) six months and or you hear about it yeah you hear about it doesn't happen you know you know years ago like to do end-to-end testing it was really complicated Mm -hmm. you had to do selenium Mm -hmm. which required like this whole scripting thing Mm -hmm. and the Firefox plugins to control it. Uh, end-to-end testing now, might be easier. Yeah, I mean Cypress is yeah. you pointed at a URL. Yeah, and it, so. well, that's what I was thinking. Maybe the answer here is like just the there's a middle ground, right? And it's just Hasura lets you gives you a PR like a staging a server. Yeah, and that's it. And then you just have a staging thing. Off zero could have a staging version. Amplify could have it. Whatever cognito could have a staging version most of these places have that i think they do um, yep. I think yeah they do. and so you could just talk have those things you know yeah. you could set up a thing that does all that potentially and uses urls to connect them and then you just have a little bit more confidence that way because it's really that's what it's really about yes um so that's pretty interesting but like i feel like the auth thing as a specific example where you have it doing that thing once you get it set up i have a feeling you're Oh, I'm never, never going to touch it. Touch yeah. it. And it's going to work forever. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Dude, it's like a TypeScript file in a Next.js API route. Yeah. That like low talks to like. It's a, like five lines long. Cer- no, there's a bet. It's like probably like 50 or 60. Okay. Um, you know, like takes a JWT, validates it, yeah. decodes it. 
yeah responds with like the roles tells yeah, us yeah, yeah. the roles yeah it's just i don't know maybe we'll get like new testing tools new ways to think about testing these things right um dude, i have no idea like i guess if it like 500s and the hasar just blocks a query and it's up for to my ui to be like oh your query didn't go through yeah we thought about this a little bit with like the idea of having a, if Mirage were to get popular enough that service providers would want to provide like Mirage adapters. So let's say Stripe. So instead of developing against Stripe, you just just in the same way we got to do it against Hasura and didn't have to use Hasura. So like if this was a popular and standard enough thing, you could just use a Stripe thing. And even if Stripe gives you an SDK, right, where you use to call functions and those things translate to HTTP calls. But the details of the HTTP call are our yeah. implementation details but if you had those uh mocked and responded to in the way that true api does and it's matched up with the version of your sdk now you can do it a lot better yeah this this was also something along those lines where like if a sir and amplify right integration was right. so popular right. you could right. see amplify just saying like Oh, here's your Hasur URL. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. Put this URL into Hasur. Put this. Delete the 50 line file. And yeah. that, then you don't have this problem. I mean, yes. You're really not thinking about this anymore because yeah. then it's really not your problem. Yes. Yep. Yep. In the same way, ImageX running FFmpeg X is not your problem. That's right. just like something they're going to do. You know, that's pretty good because we don't ever say, like, oh, validate that like ImageX. Um, yeah, whatever use doing this that. compression algorithm yeah. or return an image with this height and width we just but that's because it's the con it's the contract whereas there's no contract here between Hasura and amplify right, so that's right. where the that tricky like part code, is yeah, yeah. um but but your function is talking to amplify and talking to Hasura, and so you could write code around that part and you could understand the contract there and mock that out potentially yeah, but then it just ends up being function mocks. But yeah, that's a problem. That, that, that's yeah, because then I just say, oh, expect like you know. Um, that's where the if they had gave if they gave you a testing library, it'd help yes. because then uh, yes. get token await oh, get token returns one of three things, and you're not you're not making those up. You just you have all of the possible states of it, yep. and you can put it into any state easily. Yep. So. Test, testing helpers would be huge here. Yeah. Hey, give me an expired JWT right. token. Exactly. That's that, what that you was, want. That was valid. Yeah, like, yeah. That's that's what you want, yeah. I think. If if the if you're gonna have to write code to interact with a service, then the service should provide you things in code that let you mock and fake out the different states because now you're responsible for it. Great. This is this is yeah. And this is, I like this better than being like, oh, I'm going to set up a whole end-to-end -end testing yeah. dev staging yeah. environments. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I'm thinking of like uh, when I first used Stripe with Rails, I, I don't think this is official Stripe library, but they have Stripe mock, which um, did all that basically. Yeah. And it like, you can say like, okay, I'm going to add this credit card and um, this isn't a valid credit card because uh, there's not enough money on the account. Right. And so then right. I can go to my form or I can, you know, I didn't do UI testing in Rails. I just <laughs> submitted, you know, JSON payloads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could do a JSON payload with a credit card and, and make sure that I got an error back. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So they did that? Yeah. 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 What yeah. about like the SDK? What about the JavaScript SDK for Stripe? Does it have stuff like that? I like give me a response code that's 
I don't know. They have fake numbers that right. when you hit the URL for for your te- for whatever will return those things. So that's closer. I think that's primarily what they do. I think they have like numbers that are like this will reject with a specific right. exactly specific reason. Right. Um step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, we used uh the Ember Stripe integration on Ember Map and that had its own service level yeah that you could tweak but yeah you 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 that was some something that an ember developer had to maintain you want to push this on stripe totally imagine amazon gave you a url that always returned an expired token that's close that's closer to this if you could always get an expired token immediately um you could set up a test that hits that and is close very close to having the mock thing in the code i think the mock thing in the code is the best but if they did something like stripe did you would have had to wait an hour, right? Because you would have said, uh, give uh, me a can, validated yeah. Amazon JWT that's expired. Um, I can just get it from this URL. It's always the same one. Mm. Anytime I need to test a scenario, I can do that. Similar to <laughs> the Stripe credit cards, I could say like, hey, Amazon, like when I log in with, you know, Bob and password, yeah. password I get back, always get back an admin. Yeah. Something, something like that. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yep. That'd yeah. be cool. And then you could, you could use those things in Hasura and see how Hasura handles the yeah. different cases if you need to adjust something there. So, yeah. so this is this is what I think. You know, I'm gonna make a prediction here, but I think as we adopt more of these services, we're gonna see better testing tools mm-hmm. or more contracts like this, like right. fake cards in Stripe right. that resolve to these errors. Right. I think the testing, the code level thing, is the best because it's gonna be easier then yeah oh, oh you don't have sure. to be connected to the internet you can yeah. be offline all the benefits of using something like mirage so yeah. i think you should just be able to like have that yeah it's mocking and mocking is great right the problem with mocking is it gets out of sync exactly so if it's if provided is provided by, by the, the library and yeah. the, and it's literally the ver- it's versioned that's yeah. the other thing that's great like you're using an sdk that's in your package json has a version so that thing can provide the mocks that are in sync yeah which is really cool because then if you bump the version I thought about this a long time ago, but let's say you did that and you had all your tests written against that and um, you bump the version, which changes the contract in some way you didn't know about or didn't read about in the change log or something. The mocks that you're importing and using in your tests are different now and they should fail your test suite. So you should know before going to prod whether your code is compatible with the new Stripe API because your test would fail. Interesting. Just so let's completely side note here, but I think Stripe is like hardcore, like don't ever break the API. I mean, I believe it and they have a lot of customers, but let's say um, we were still at TED or something like that. And we made like an Amplify like, uh, you know, ORM like data fetching thing. So instead of telling people to write fetch statements and hit endpoints, you just install, you know, TED data layer and you just get to do data dot find talk ID one. And that does a, an API call, you know? Um, well, I guess that's the point. That, that that point would be hidden behind that. So if you upgraded. Um, but yeah, you could just imagine like providing a mocked layer there that in your test you can say that. What does that do? It hits Mirage basically and returns it. And then um, if the data is different for whatever reason, um, the mocks would have updated that. And so your test would fail. Yeah. So like yeah. the response could be like a JSON structure that's different, you know? So... I think that could be pretty cool. I think if everyone was on a, some sort of standard for like mocking HTTPs, it could be a pretty powerful thing. But I'm not sure what that would look like. But I mean, the GraphQL stuff answers a lot of that because it's typed. Um, 
but you need to be able to do things like you can do with Mirage, whatever mocking tool you're using, which is like given three books exist on the server, here's what it looks like. Cause, because I, you need to be able to, as an app developer, you need to be able to have control over the business logic and the s- server state and all that stuff. It's not enough to just have, yeah, you just need yeah. the different configurations of server state. So, I mean, the Mirage layer is really nice here. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, if someone from Hasura wrote all the Mirage stuff. Exactly, because like um, Stri- Stripe can say, oh yeah, here's the 10 uh, card configurations um, and all of the possible codes. And there's like 10, that's it. But what about your your um, your Amazon Amplify backend with the 10 roles that you created and the three different things? What happens when you're an admin and you try to create a book or something like that? Amplify can't know ahead of time at the SDK level what your app is going to do because that's like a custom rule you've configured. So when you get to a generic service like that, you have to give the 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 person who's using it and configuring it enough power to be able to specify what the different uh, all the different configurations are. Whereas Stripe can just say, "Oh, here's a ten different failure states." But with your app, yeah, there's like lots of different states, yep. so you need to be able to say, "Okay." given this server state when this happens and you mule do that like programmatically. So right. that's where you want like a code thing to do that. I think, I mean, that would be, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. I think it could happen. So interesting. Cool. Well, um, hopefully we'll have REPL. We'll have some more stuff to talk about. It'd be fun to have that. Cause then we can start adding examples to the docs. Someone was just asked, I was just using the REPL a bunch actually like the last few days, um, in discord and someone was asking about factories and it's just great to be able to send an example. And they're like, I really wish this was in docs. And I was like, yeah, it'd be great. So, um, that'd be fun that we have URLs that we can send people. And then it will be fun too to do like embedded versions. I was thinking that you have like a REPL with ID one, two, three, and then you can make a little component that fetches that and just shows it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it doesn't even have to be editable. Like, uh, it could just be a whole separate component that fetches a sandbox and just renders it and lets you, lets oh, you yeah, cause the do the postman is, yeah. thing, but you don't have to do, we don't have to do pl- like, we don't have to do, um, code mirror, code mirror. Exactly. And we don't have to handle events from that side and recompile everything and have a step, you know, it's just, it's like a very simplified version of the REPL that you can embed in the doc. So people can just see it work. So I think it'd be awesome. And I think it would be pretty, it wouldn't be that hard because we have a lot of that code. It would just be like copying the REPL and trimming it down, you know? Yeah. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that would be fun. Cause I think like, yeah, the docs, I went over them a lot when we first launched like Mirage, but there's a lot of stuff in there that was still from Ember, I think. And it's just way easier to just see an example. It's just way easier. So I think if we had that, we should go back through and like trim down the docs a lot and replace and a bunch of examples. stuff with examples, because I think that's just the best way to understand. Yeah. I, I, I mean, just me as a developer, like code is mutable. It's also just, I want the higher level explanation of like why you made these APIs. Right. But once I understand that for like how they actually work, um, want to see the code. Yeah. Cause I understand your intention behind why Mirage exists. Right. So now I just want to play with code. Exactly. So and then you can have a little button in the REPL and then just links you to the REPL and then you can fork oh, it. Oh yeah. Boom. Because it's, it's the actual ID. sandbox. Yeah. Pretty neat. Yeah. Coming soon. <laughs> cool. All right. I think that's it for this week. Now that I have like more energy and this podcast is over. Maybe it's cause I'm going out to dinner soon. It's going to be fun. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you. Bye.